0: Terry, amen, one of my favorite songs, Jude, if you turn to the book of Jude in the New Testament right before the book of Revelation, we want to look at verses 3 through 11, focus on our text this morning from verse uh, 11, Jude, only one chapter, 25 verses, and we'll look at verses 3 through 11. And our text will be be verse 11, as I share with you, are you going the way of Cain? Are you going the way of Cain? So if you would look at verse 3 and following. Jude, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the coming salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend of the faith for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. Uh, Jude was going to write to the church, and he was going to write about this coming salvation that we share, but the Holy Spirit changed his mind, and he began to exhort them to contend or to fight for the faith. Not fight for faith, but fight for the faith, which is the word of God, the oracles of God, the commands of God. He says, for the reason... For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you to remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under, under darkness until the judgment of the great day. Even as Solomon and and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and they speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of uh, Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord will rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. What they know naturally is brute beast, and those things they corrupt themselves. Then the text today, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They've ran greedily after the era of Balaam for reward. And they've perished in the gainsaying of Korah. If you remember as we studied as we begin to study the book of Jude, book is very small book, just a one-chapter book, and Jude begins to give a warning right at the beginning for the church then and for the church today. So this is not something that was concerned only for the church then, but it's concerned for us today. And there's a warning here. And Jude warns that the devil will use an extraordinary tactic to bring about the destruction of or you might say the hindering also of the church. He has this tactic designed to destroy the church, to hinder the church. It's primary, too, to destroy the church or to hinder the church. It's not by persecution. Now, there's a lot of persecution going on. There's more people been persecuted and put to death in this century than during or after the first century. Christians being persecuted to the point of being put to death, more so than ever before. But he says this persecution of being put to death, the physical persecution, only furthers the gospel. It only sends the gospel out further. And so the devil says, well, listen, he's not going to, to hinder the church that much or destroy the church if, if physically, physical persecution is the only means to hinder the church or destroy the church, so he's going to try something else and so instead of trying to destroy the church, enter the church from the outside, he's going to the inside to do that. So Jude says there in verse 4 that certain men have slipped into church. Notice they're ungodly men. They don't have God. They're ungodly men. They seek to enter the, they've they slipped into the church to destroy by destroying the biblical foundation of the word of God. They're trying to get to the word of God. These are known as apostates. Be aware of the apostate. Apostate claims to be a Christian, but they're not a Christian. They they profess the Lord, but they do not possess the Lord. They know the scripture, but they haven't accepted the scripture for their own lives. They, they know the truth, but they don't act upon the truth. They're members of the church. They've gone through the ordinances, perhaps, but they're apostate. They possess profess but they do not possess they're in the church to perform an inside job on the church and that is to destroy the word of god now our country has been hit drastically by apostates beginning first in our education system and in our seminaries and it has filtered on down into local churches You're wondering why the church is in the shape that it's in. It's because apostates have stood in pulpits and in classrooms and in Sunday school rooms and all throughout the church, positions of the church, teaching primarily not the Word of God. And we're in a mess. Therefore, he says, contend for the faith. That word contend means to fight for the faith. It's a fight. Fight for the faith, not not. Fight for faith, but fight for the faith. Fight for the Word of God. Fight for the oracles of God. Fight for the commands of God. Now, why do we fight for the Word? Well, verse 3, because it's literally the Word of God. The Bible is literally the Word of God. We fight because the Word is inerrant. The Word is without error. The Word is infallible. The Word is inspired. It's God-breathed. It was once and for all delivered unto the saints. Nothing else taken from it, nothing else added to it. It was once and for all delivered unto the saints. So we fight. But the apostates are trying to change the grace of God, he says, into lasciviousness or sensuality or living a sensual lifestyle. I mentioned in a sermon a couple, three weeks ago. One of the first steps of turning away, knowing that you've turned away from God, is because you begin to practice a life of immorality. That's the first sign that you've walked away from the Word of God. And so, the apostate is teaching against a godly lifestyle, but also teaching against the sovereignty of God and the Lord Jesus. So when a person attacks the teaching of the book, and when they attack... When they attack the validity of the book and attacks the inspiration and the inerrancy of the book, the Bible, and encourage others to do so, you have a seriously, you have seriously wounded and affected the church. And you've encouraged others to do likewise. So Jude is saying to the church and to us, church then, us now, you have apostate. You have false teachers, you have false preachers, you have false leaders, you, those behind the pulpit, some in classrooms, some sitting in the pew. You don't have to be a preacher or a teacher to be to turn from the word of God. So how do we detect an apostate? Well, first we looked at they pollute the witness of the church. They pollute with their own bodies. They are immoral. They reject the authority. They They are irreverent. And so they pollute the witness of the church. But then they pervert the worship of the church, and that's what we want to look at very hurriedly. Look, if you will, at verse 11. They pervert the worship of the church. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and they've ran greedily after the era of Balaam for reward, and they've perished in the gang-slaying of Korah. Now, he, he begins by saying the word woe, uses the word woe. That's a very important word uh, in the Greek language. It simply means a culmination. It means a calamity. It means a sense of hopelessness. And so those who are an apostates woe unto you. Calamity is going to come up on you. If you've turned from the word, calamity is going to come on you. um culmination of things will happen there there, there's a sense of hopelessness for the apostate for that person who turns from the word of god and so he uses that word woe so woe is pronounced on three types of apostates mentioned in verse 11 woe pronounced on those who follow after Cain. woe to those who who follow after Balaam. Woe to those who follow after Korah. So in order to understand that woe, we have to understand what uh, uh, the history of each one of these individuals. So woe upon the apostate, because he perverts the worship of Christ in mode, and that's Cain. You know, uh, it's serious. Woe. Woe unto you, that, that is very serious to be an apostate because that denotes irrevocable. That, that woe is irrevocable. The hopelessness is irrevocable. The seriousness is irrevocable. So he says, woe unto you if you're following the way of Cain. So today I want to share with you how apostates pervert the mode of worship. They have taken the way of Cain. Now, the question comes, what is the way of Cain? Well, if you would, turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, and let's look at this about Cain. Verses uh, Genesis 4, verse 1. And Adam knew Eve his wife. She conceived and bare Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. So Abel kept a flock, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. He just, uh, he had a garden. He had had a lot of grain. Verse 3, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. So it came a time for these two guys to worship. Now, they'd worshiped with their parents before. It's not the first time they worshiped. And so when it came time to worship, there in verse 3, Cain brought some fruit of the ground as an offering to the Lord. But in verse 4, Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. So you find where Cain brought, he brought the first fruits of his land, but Abel brought the first fruits of his flock. And and when he brought the first fruits of his flock, God accepted that. Look at verse five. But unto Cain and to his offering he didn't have respect. God didn't care much about what he did with his hands. He didn't care much about how much he worked and how hard he was working and what a good person he was. None of that he took into account. He looked at the sacrifice that was made. And here he offered up the firstlings of his flock, but unto Cain, to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wrathful, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? Verse 7, If thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now notice, Abel brought a sacrifice. He brought the first of his flock. He brought a sacrifice offering from his flock. In other words, he shed the blood as an offering to the Lord, Abel. Now, why did God respect that offering? Because God was teaching them, as he's taught us, a lesson. Hebrews 9, verse 22, simply says that that there. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So even then, God was teaching that in order to have your sins forgiven, you offer a blood sacrifice. You offer a sacrifice to God. So God was teaching them. He's teaching us the same lesson in Hebrews 9.22. The point is sin has never been forgiven without the shedding of blood. Sin has never been forgiven without the shedding of blood. That's why 1 John 1, 7 says the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies or uh, cleanses us from all sin. So the point is, Abel's lamb was a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, Cain did something different. Instead of a blood sacrifice, he he brought an offering of the works of his hands. No doubt. He brought the best that he had. He, be, he brought the best of his field. He, he brought the best work to God, to present to God. The best grain, the ripened grain, the best of his crop. And notice, God would not accept his sacrifice. And I'm sure that he worked hard. I'm sure that he was a good man. I'm sure that he did his best. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm think, I, I feel that he was good to his family, Therefore, God should have accepted that sacrifice, some would say. But the point is, that's the reason of those who pervert the mode of worship is they're taking the way of Cain. They, ex- they express it this way. Well, that person is a hard-working person. That person is not lazy. That person's kind one to another or one to everyone. That person lives a clean life. If that person doesn't go to heaven, no one's going to heaven. If grandma don't make it, no one's going to make it. If grandpa is so good and does all of this for other people and all of this with his hands, if he doesn't make it, no one's going to make it. That is the way of Cain. Therefore, God should accept him into his heaven. No wrong. Now, some preachers will preach that gospel. It's a gospel of good works. And the point is, remember, the way of Abel equals the way of faith. And the way of Cain equals the way of works. You're either going the way of Cain or you're going the way of Abel. You're trying to get before God, good pleasure before God, with your works of your hand instead of the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the works of Abel, the blood of Christ. The works of Cain is what you can pr- produce on your own. So, friend, the way of Cain is a religion without faith, and it's based on primarily on doing good works. So Cain was the first apostate. He knew the, he knew the only way to approach God he knew the way to worship God was through a blood sacrifice by faith, but yet he attempted to approach God through works of his hands. He perverted or he lowered the standard of worship coming before God. However, Abel's gift was brought by faith. So faith is believing what God says. Look, if you will, at, um, at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, over in the New Testament. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Even though that's been centuries ago, his faith still speaks today. But Cain set aside the word of God. Now now, now remember, he'd been taught how to worship God. Adam and Eve, no doubt, remembered how to worship God. They knew that God would require blood sacrifice. If you remember, after they had fell into sin, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Well, that was made of themselves, and that really didn't do much covering. And so God slew an innocent animal and provided a covering, a skin, for them to cover themselves with. It all started, the sacrificial system started back in the garden. But God provided a substitutionary covering when he slew that innocent animal and he used those skins to cover Adam and Eve. And Cain knew all of this but he chose to go his own way. Now, there are two religions in the world. Only two. There's a true religion and there's a false religion. I know there's a list of Religious types, but there are only two. True religion represented by Abel and a blood sacrifice. There's false religion represented by Cain and all others who try to get to heaven by doing good works. Only two religions. Good, true, and false. It's amazing how many people attend church today, every Sunday, and they are... They're going the way of Cain. I mean, they they pervert the worship of Christ through their mode of worship. The way of Cain. I'm going to tell you something. The way of Cain leads a person headlong into hell. The way of Abel leads a person into heaven. Only two. Now, there are many today who are members of Cain's church. The names are on rows of churches everywhere. There are on names of rows of churches in which the sacrifice of Christ is very seldom or never mentioned. There are even some churches today who've gone through and have taken anything pertaining to the crucifixion of Jesus or the blood of Christ out of their hymn books. And they won't even teach about it, they won't preach about it, and they won't sing about it. Some apostate preachers in their teaching and preaching say that you can go to heaven just by being good. Some churches, some denominations have removed their songs that refer to the blood of Jesus. When the biblical truth of the necessity of the blood of Christ is, is not preached, very little or none at all. And those preachers have gone the way of Cain. Now some of you perhaps this morning are connected to some social, well how can I say it? social media preaching. And there's some social media preaching that go the way of Cain. Uh, positive preaching that very seldom mentions the blood of Jesus. That's going the way of Cain. Positive preaching that teaches people and they're being told that, you, that you're the greatest. I mean that there's, there's good in all of us by our nature and that you can do anything if you just put your mind to it. That is the way of Cain. Be careful because according to some Facebook pages, you're going the way of Cain. Don't get soaked up in a direction of a positive, preach, positive preaching and teaching preacher that's preaching the way of Cain. That's dangerous, especially when they never mention the blood of Jesus and how a person can come to know Christ. And so that William Booth said this, and I thought it was interesting. The founder of the Salvation Army, several years ago, he said, "Now, quote: The chief danger of the twentieth century would be, quote, religion without Christ, salvation without regeneration, politics without God." In heaven without hell. Well, today we have religion without Christ. We have salvation without regeneration. We have politics without God. And we have some believe in heaven but don't believe in hell. Jude said in the last days people are going to go the way of Cain. People are going to go the way of Cain in the last days. Now, who are these people that go the way of Cain? Well, there are people, first of all, number one, who refuse or who are too proud to admit that I'm a sinner. That I'm a sinner. I'm not as good as people think that I am. I know my heart. God knows my heart. And I'm just a lost sinner on a road to hell without Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's convicted you that you know that. But you're too proud to admit that. And you're depending, you're putting everything in one cart, not Jesus, but being good, doing good. And one day your 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 righteousness is is going to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. My goodness. And God's going to accept you into his heaven. And so people who are going away of Cain, first of all, they won't admit they're a sinner. Secondly, that they need the, they need the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ to cover their sins in their life. In turn, they want to do their best. They're going to trust in humanism as their ticket to heaven, and I'm going to make it just by being a good person. I guess Jesse Pounds, years ago, we sang this song. and I love to sing the old hymns. It goes something like this. I must need go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. If I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of life, if the way of the cross I miss, I must needs go home on the blood-sprinkled way, the path that the Savior tried, if I ever climb to the height sublime where the soul is at home with God. I must need... Bid farewell to the way of the world, to walk in it nevermore. For the Lord says, come, and I seek my home where he waits at the open door. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. Not the way of Cain. Not the way of Cain. So the question as we end this morning is, what's your mode of worship? The way of Abel? Confess that you're a sinner, knowing you must depend upon what Christ did at the cross. Trust him and only him for your salvation. Or is your mode of worship the way of Cain? Trust in your own self, your own good works, just be as good as you can eggs all in that one carton hoping they're going to see they're going to exceed the righteous, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees who were more righteous than any of us in biblical standards except they rejected Jesus Christ or are you going to trust Christ trust the blood atonement of Christ if you trust the blood atonement on, of Jesus Christ you're on your way if you reject it my friend you're going to miss heaven altogether Because you have followed the way of Cain, And that's what an apostate does. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we've had to come together, open your word, and again, say another characteristic of one who has turned from the word. Lord, instead of receiving the word, accepting your word, trusting your word, acting upon your word, they depend upon themselves to be made right with you. They go the way of Cain. I pray for every person here today. And I pray, Lord, today that we have committed ourselves today, if not at this time, that those who have never trusted you and only you to be their Savior, that they'll commit to the way of Abel. Lord, a blood sacrifice, their own Calvary, where you were willing to die and give yourself a ransom for the lost world. That whoever trusts you, believes in you, that you died on the cross for their sins, and you were buried, and you arose again, and one day you're coming back, and you're going to receive the church. Lord, they'd be willing to put their faith and trust in you. Thank you for what you're going to do today. and We make this prayer in Jesus' name.